you have your Bible, turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. And just before we uh, stand to uh, read that uh, together and then uh, pray together sort of along the lines of uh, Psalm 111, when uh, Hete and Melanie were standing up here, I just thought, what a, what an, a remarkable providence. As it, as it turns out, you know, cultural uh, similarities between uh, rural Mexico and Mongolia are, are significant. Uh, and, and so Hete can, can experience that. But in some ways more remarkable, if, if you get a family... Um, that moves to South Dakota from Mongolia, you're probably not usually thinking, well, probably one of them will be very fluent in Spanish. <laughs> but, as it, but as it turns out, uh, Melanie actually was raised in Mexico for some time when she was a small child, when you learn language really, really well. And so uh, she comes uh, fluent in Spanish and has thereby you know, been such of a great, great, great benefit uh, to uh, the mission team when they go. And that just, as, as they were sharing, especially as Melanie was sharing, I just thought, what, what a remarkable providence uh, that, that is. Um, and it just sort of blows you away as to what the, the Lord is uh, often up to um, around our own, our own lives. Let's stand together. Uh, Mark 4, verses 3 to 9, which is the parable of the sower unexplained, just as told by Jesus. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up. Since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose it was scorched. And since it had no root it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold. And a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do praise you. We give you thanks with all of our heart. In the midst of your people, the congregation of the upright, the 
congregation that you have made upright by answering the prayer that we were praying together in song this morning, causing your words to be effective within us. And your work, your works are great, O Lord. Splendor and majesty are done by you, and your righteousness will stand forever and ever. You have made a remembrance for us in your word, among your people, for all of your wonders. You are gracious and you are merciful. And you give spiritual food and sustain all those who fear you. You've made promises to us, and you remember them, all of your covenant promises. You remember them forever and ever. You've promised that it matters to you when we find ourselves sick and weak and frightened and alone and worried, and you assure us that it matters to you You call us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand and that in time you will indeed show yourself present, show yourself involved. Lord, I join with Don with praying for all these boxes on the stage and the many that are in the truck that are about to go all around the world to places where these simple gifts are something very different, something very capturing of the imagination of these children. And there inside of them, literature. Uh, Father, I think of being a part of some of this 25 years ago in Mongolia and noting this 200 kids walked away with their open presents. Not one piece of that literature on the ground kept it all, took it all home. And we pray, Lord, for the literature inside those boxes that you would bless it unto the creation of spiritual life in families all around the world. So, Father, we pray that you would cause us to be among those who fear you by taking your words to heart. For in taking your words to heart is the beginning of wisdom. Taking your word to heart is the foundations of good understanding. And good understanding shows forth in all who do your word. Lord, may your praise be found in us both now and forever. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Verse 4 of Mark 4 begins Jesus' parable, and the parable begins with imperative verb, hear, or listen. Hear, listen. To do just a a little review, uh, as Pastor Don always does on on Sunday nights in, in Exodus, last week we talked about the fact that hearing is a big thing in Mark's gospel, especially as we'll see in a moment, a big thing in Mark chapter 4. But that's nothing new. That's true because hearing is simply a big thing in the way of God. The central passage in the Old Covenant, repeated more often than any other in ancient Israel, would have been what they called the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, Hear, same imperative, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. Great text to read when you've just done a a baby dedication. Teach them diligently to your children. All the social sciences tell us that it's getting more and more difficult for children to survive the society in which they live. And they walk away in increasing numbers and percentages compared to previous generations, at least in America from the faith that they were raised with in the church and by their parents. Teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals between your eyes And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Hear, O Israel. And Jesus opens up this parable. Hear, in the tradition of hear, O Israel. Hear the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is who is the teacher, again, as we noted last week. With all that Jesus does, he's most often summarized, when he's summarized just by a single title, other than something like Lord, as teacher. Teacher. So here's the teacher speaking. And the first thing he says is here. In this paragraph closes off with the same imperative verb. Here it's in the second person. At the end, it's in the third person. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Let him hear just to us sort of sounds like an invitation to possible interest. But it's actually a command. He who has ears to hear, he shall hear. Hear. The one having ears to hear. He commands then. Hear. Because God has enabled you to hear. And Jesus tacks this on, almost ironically, as we'll see in next Sunday's text, he tacks this on to an unexplained, the front of an unexplained parable. Parable being a riddle of sorts. Parable being a dark saying of sorts. A parable being something not necessarily easy to follow in particular. As we noted all those parallels from Psalm 78. So our thesis this morning is Jesus tells this parable, and it is what the parable is all about. We know that for sure because he explains it two paragraphs into the future. A person's response to God's word defines them. In the end, the most important, the most defining thing about your life will be the nature of your response to the word of God. Won't be athletic accomplishments or business accomplishments or financial accomplishments. Or the, the most defining definition of any of our lives is going to turn out to be, in the end, our response to the Word of God. A person's response to God's Word defines them. Verse 3, Jesus says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Hear. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Number one, hearing the word of God is of decisive importance. Listen. Behold. One of the commentators made the, the point that the word behold is redundant. Uh, I mean, if you have a command, listen, you don't need to follow it by behold. That's, that's redundant. And technically speaking, it surely is. Uh, the NIV took that to heart and removed that from the translation. So the NIV just says, listen, a farmer went out to sow. Uh, the rest of the translations hang on to it, though. They hang on to the redundancy because it's meant to, I think, underline the importance of the hearing. Listen, behold. Like used to say, listen, and I mean really listen. A sower went out to sow. 
So be, be, be very, 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 very careful attention, Jesus is saying to us, to what I'm about to say. Mark 4 has 13 references, either to a verb or a noun related to hearing. 13 references in a single chapter. And this is the first one. Verse 3. So number one, listen. Behold, the sower went out to sow. Verse 9. And he said, he who has ears to hear, is number two, let him hear. There's three. Then you go down to verse 12. Quotation from Isaiah. And he said to them, the one seeing that they may see and not perceive, and well, hearing, they may hear, now we're up to five, and not understand. Verse 15, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word away. That's six. Verse 16, and when they hear the word, Immediately they receive it with joy, that's seven. Verse 18, they are those who hear the word, that's eight. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, it's nine, and accept it and it bears fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. If anyone has ears to hear, Let him hear, 10 and 11, verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. It's 12 and verse 33. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear. Hearing, hearing, hearing. In the parable of the sower is a parable about a tale of two kinds of hearing. Two fundamentally different kinds of hearing. Failed hearing versus fruitful hearing. Failed hearing versus fruitful hearing. And he tells a story about the two of them. He spends as we'll see, more time on failed hearing, at least word count, verse count, than he does on fruitful hearing. But listen, he says, hear. Behold, the sower went out to sow. Well, Jesus is talking to them, and they're sitting on the shore. This part of the parable, I think, they, they probably do figure out. The rest of it is, is where the disciples get a little lost. But he's talking to them about listening to teaching. He's known as the teacher. Uh, he uses the, the exact same command that opens the Shema, which most of them would have recited a couple times a day at least. So, hear hear. And then he tells them this story about failed hearing and fruitful hearing. Secondly, P 
People fail to profit from God's word for a variety of reasons. Verse 4, And as he sowed, some fell among, along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Three instances of failed hearing. Three circumstances, all agriculturally related. Three different places that seed falls when it's sown onto the ground where the seed is destined ultimately to fail. The first one is verse 4. And as he sowed it, some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. When you all know people like this. Uh, you try to say something spiritual to certain people, they have no interest whatsoever. Zero. Zip. They're not a little interested. They're not slightly interested. They are rather instantly put off, not interested at all, often offended that you would even think of trying to say something to them about such a thing. That's how it is. Speaking to a relative of mine not long ago, I haven't seen him for a long, long, long time, actually since my uncle's funeral back in like 1992. But we re- reconnected and we connected by phone several times. And, uh, and, I, and I, I knew spiritually that he's far, far, far away. But I thought I would just try to say something to him about the fact that uh, our, our grandmother had come to faith in Jesus just a couple of years before uh, emphysema took her away. And as soon as I just crossed slightly over to the border in that conversation, the conversation was over. Change the topic. Has to go. That's it. That's it. Absolutely zero interest, no interest, nada, nothing. Jesus goes on. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up. And since it had no depth of soil when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Now, the really important thing to notice here is the little phrase, and immediately it sprang up. This, this seems like a really encouraging evangelistic moment, right? Like, you share, like, yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me about Jesus. I am all for Jesus. 
You want me to pray a prayer? I'm praying. I'm praying. Magnificent. Instantly. Like, wow. Wow. Real encouragement to the evangelist. Woo. Great. But then in time, then in time, everything is different. A few weeks ago, my sister-in-law lives in a native village in British Columbia. Just made a passing, a passing comment, but I knew exactly what she was talking about. She said, most people in our village are almost impossible to reach precisely because they think they've already covered this base. They prayed a prayer somewhere between 20 and 40 years ago. And though they have no ongoing interest in, in following Christ at all now, they, they, that's just a box they checked. And they know they checked it. And so you try to, nope, nope, don't, don't need to talk to me. I prayed and accepted Christ into my heart. Not to worry. Covered. Yeah, but no, no, no. no. There's no one-fold or two-fold about them, let alone 30 or 60 or 100. They're not in the least bit worried about that. The sun rises, and they're just, they're just gone. I've had quite a number of friends. You know some of them. We, we've, been sending, we've been sending mission teams out to Pine Ridge, places like that, for decades. And most of those mission teams, they come back, they're very excited, like 36, 36 people prayed to receive Christ. Ten mission teams a summer, that's 360 people in a single summer. Times 10 years, that's 3,600 people. Times 20 years, 7,200 people. More than the population of Pine Ridge. But you go out there and look for people following Jesus. And that is small, small, small. We were just talking about this this last Wednesday morning. Uh, Craig, who was up here uh, last Sunday, given an announcement about the event on Friday night that a number of you came to. Getting ready for a, a, a Mongolian event a very short time ago. Look, looked up. Percentage of Mongolia now Christian. Last time he had looked, quite a few years ago, it was just over 2%. Now, one3 
how could that be? How could the percentage of believers in Mongolia have gone over the last 15 years from over 2% to 1.3? Is there somebody doing something funny with the social sciences there? I don't think so. I don't think so. Jesus would say, I can explain. I can explain that for you. Um, and it's not, it's not spectacular news. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprung up. Over 2%. Immediately it sprung up. But it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it scorched it, since it had no root, and it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Now, a number of commentators mention the fact that, look, this, I don't think you're, I don't think you should pay attention to the fact that verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 are about failed hearing, and verse 8 is about fruitful hearing. I don't think you're supposed to think about it at all in terms like that, percentage-wise, I think it's, it's just two kinds of hearing, and that's, that's, the only, that's the only point. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. In other words, on balance, this story is an ominous story that Jesus tells. This this, this is a story warning you, uh, evangelistically, don't be spiking the football in the end zone too quickly. That's, that would be naive. That would be naive. Jesus says, listen. Listen to me. A sower went out to sow. And this is how it goes. And this is how it goes. When he explains it later, he'll, he'll use this little, this little word. It's a single word in Greek translated by this little phrase into English. For a time. For a time. When Jesus says that some people believe for a time, that's ominous. That's ominous. He doesn't mean better than nothing. Oh no, they'll be in heaven but few crowns. No, no. Much more ominous than that. For a time. And that's made clear, crystal clear, by what it is contrasted with. 
which is verse 8. Thirdly, people grow in God's Word to various degrees. But people do grow in God's Word. That's the great news. Some people grow in God's Word. They are deeply impacted. And others, in contrast, and others fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. When the seed falls into a certain kind of soil, a certain kind of gracious hearing, then suddenly Jesus is speaking of everything differently. And the tenses that Mark uses all change too. In the first half of this, almost almost. Everything is completed action, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And now, in verse 8, all of a sudden, everything is continuous action, Uh, both past tense and present tense. It actually opens past tense, continuous action, and then present tense, continuous action, present tense, continuous action, and then past tense, continuous action. But all of it, continuous action verbs. That's what he does here in verse 8. He, he writes of it uh, this way. But other fell on the good earth, and it was bearing fruit and growing up, some bearing 30 and some 60 and some 100. Another was falling on the good earth, and it was giving fruit, bearing up, growing, and carrying along, all continuously. Some 30, some 60, some 100. But what they all have in common is it continues happening. The influence of the Word of God has come and stayed and moved forward. It's back again to the same side text that we used from last week. Colossians 3.16 Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be sure that your hearing of the Word of God dwells in you richly, that it has considerable effect, considerable effect. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a group of people where somebody will ask a question like this. So like, what's the minimum amount that you can do to sort of be sure that you have eternal life? I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm looking to go to heaven, not to be on the all-star team there. Um, so, like, so what, what would be, like, the minimum that you can do to sort of be sure that you've got life eternal? Jesus would not like that question. He would rebuke that question. Rather, what Jesus says is, look, 
Among those born again, some, they, they differ. They differ a lot. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. But they're all buried. They all have the word of Christ dwelling in them relatively richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in their hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Or as the psalmist put it in Psalm 1. Here's the person in this kind of soil. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what he's talking about. His leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, spiritually speaking, he prospers. He thinks about that word day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Uh, The song that Eric mentioned this morning that we were singing as a congregation for the first time. um, I've heard that song before. I'm pretty sure that was the first time I've ever sung it as well. Um, That's basically... You know, a prayer for reading a a parable like this. Right? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Make me the soil that brings out 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that should be our prayer. That prayer that we sang. That should be our prayer. Every time we open our Bible, every time we come to church, whether we sing that song or not, that's our prayer. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Take your word and and work in me 30, 60, 100 fold. This last Thursday morning in our uh, men's group going through the, the institutes near the end of the time, we made... Uh, Calvin was dealing in the chapter on um, resurrection life. The resurrection life of Jesus is the life that transforms the believer through the word of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. We made reference to uh, one of my favorite verses in the book of Romans. Romans 6, 11. So you also consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now that's actually a present participle there, though. And living to God. Consider yourself living to God. See, that's what the Bible reminds you of. When you have a biblical outlook on life, what you always know is, I'm dealing with God today. 
I'm dealing with God. Every day, I'm dealing with God. Whatever my calling in life, I'm dealing with God in that calling. Whatever, whoever I'm relating to, I'm relating to them in front of God. I'm always dealing with God. And Paul says in, the, in that text, live your life living to God. Let the word remind you, you are living a God-related life. Every moment of every day, living to God. Yes. Yes. Everybody has that kind of life. Most don't know it. But everyone is living related to God. What Paul is talking about is consciously, willingly, joyfully, gladly, thankfully living to God. Living to God. Fourth and finally, hearing ought to be the great priority of those who can hear. It's amazing language uh, that Jesus uses here. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Such a simple statement. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You think Jesus means for us to say back to him, Wow, Lord, everybody has ears to hear. Everybody can hear the word of God. Would Jesus say, well, yeah, of course, I grant you that point. Probably I said it badly. Uh, I don't think so. No. He's making a sovereignty of God sort of point. The one who has ears to hear. Now he's, that narrows the audience a great deal. Now he's talking to believers. He's talking to the elect, the ones with ears to hear. The one who has ears to hear. And then his, then his command. Be sure you hear. Be a hearer. Be a hearer. See, it ought to be one of the most amazing things when you, when you reflect on yourself. Uh, they just came out this week. There's now, like, somewhere very close to, and probably already here, 8 billion people on planet Earth now. 8 billion people. I don't know the percentage of those with ears to hear. I don't know. It's not huge. It's not overwhelming. And if you find yourselves among them, and if you know that Jesus is talking to you, you know, by the grace of God, I am among those who have been given ears to hear. I didn't just have a momentary interest in the words of God. I've had decades of interest in the word of God. Well, then you are blessed. And Jesus has a word for you. Hear. Keep on hearing. Hearing. 
Listen very carefully. And the one who has ears to hear, be sure that you are hearing, hearing, hearing. So, in other words, don't come to church, and then you go back into real life. And by real life, we, we think we mean, oh, yeah, well, the NFL. Fox News, um, weather, um, pheasants, um, that's real life, real life. You say, no, 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 that's all real enough. Uh, But whether you eat or drink or go pheasant hunting, you do it all to the glory of God. It's all God-related stuff. Uh, Hear me. Hear me as I tell you how important it is that you listen. And the better you listen, the more transformed your experience is. Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. You should want to be as deeply transformed by the Word of God as you can so that you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that gives fruit in its season and that comes by the power of the Spirit, but through hearing. Open where, close where we began. He opens and closes the parable with the same imperative verb. Hear. Let him hear. And ominously, And most people will fail to hear. Don't be among them. Look out. Be careful. Be a hearer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would use your word, even this day, to create some hearing. Lord, by means of the word of truth, those whom you are giving ears to hear, begin to hear. One day they just, they just hear your voice. They just know their own sin. They just see that they are in desperate need of forgiveness. And they want to know if such a thing is possible. And there you are telling them that it is. That you sent your only begotten Son into the world. To die on the cross in their place. That whosoever believes in him. Will not perish. But have everlasting life. An everlasting life that begins now. The life whereby we find ourselves living to you, living for Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us not only ears to hear, but we would be those who obey your word as such. 
and hear diligently across the board in our lives and find ourselves more and more completely shaped by your will and way. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.